0: Good morning. Sorry, I always get that wrong when I'm panelling. I do rely on Pierre. (laughs) Um, Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents. This is Community Radio 3CR. It is six minutes past nine o'clock, bit of a late start this morning. Um, Welcome, James.
1: Uh, Thank you. Uh, James Barry here
0: um we uh, this morning listeners we have quite a number of news items from around the region we don't have a feature story this morning we're still we're working actually on a couple of stories one is our leading story for this morning which is the escalation of the strike at naga world in cambodia naga world being the casino and hotel complex in that country Um, and also a development of strike action amongst my favourite workers, the Anganwadi workers in India. So we'll bring you those stories in the coming weeks, but uh, it will be a rich broadcast this morning of news from around the region. So we'll just get started and as I said, we'll lead with the Naga World story. While the strike at Naga World continues with 11 trade union leaders jailed and arrest warrants for a further four more workers issued, international pressure is escalating on the government of Cambodia to release the leaders and drop all the charges. On the 9th of February, three more um, union leaders of the LRSU, which is the union representing the Naga World um, workers, Three more of their leaders, Chalp Chanath, Sao Sambat and Seng Banarit, were uh, were charged and sent to prison as the government desperately tries to break um, what was a 53-day strike. It is now in its 60, 63rd day Um And they're also desperately trying to cover up the human rights violations at Naga World that led to the strike action in the first place. Now, I should mention these three unionists joined the eight already arrested, taking the total number to 11, which is what the situation is now. On the, on the uh, 16th of February, five UN human rights special rapporteurs issued a press release criticising the Cambodian government's use of COVID restrictions to attempt to break the strike. Um, and they said authorities appear to have dressed up efforts to stifle peaceful and lawful labour action as public health measures. There cannot be one rule for striking workers and another rule entirely for the general public. Earlier this month, the IUF Sister Global Union, BWI, which is the Building, uh, the building Workers International, um, an activist from the Swiss NGO Solidar, held a protest action in front of the Royal Embassy and permanent mission of the Kingdom of Cambodia in Geneva to raise awareness of the struggle and to deliver a letter to the ambassador reiterating the workers' core three demands, which is to... Release the 11 jailed unionists and drop all the charges against them and the others. Reinstate the 365 Naga World Union leaders and members and negotiate in good faith with the LRSU, which is, as I said, the union representing those workers. The international campaign has really escalated as well as shows of solidarity are proving that uh, workers united will never be defeated.
1: Uh, yes. And also to keep in mind that uh, one of the other issues happening at the moment in Cambodia is that Australia is being criticised for trying to set up a human rights uh, commission in Cambodia. Australia has a lot of influence in Cambodia, of course, because they set up the current regime there. Uh, and this is being used as a cover for all the human rights abuses, such as what we're seeing in Nagaland, uh, as a way of whitewashing it all, um, and moving to Australia at the moment, uh, land there was a landmark win for courier drivers in New South Wales when the Transport Worker Union had a significant win in New South Wales yesterday. This will see couriers receive enforceable pay rises between 36 and 46 percent over three years, and further protections, including for Amazon Flex drivers, which is a world first. The TW you led in, uh, industry-wide negotiations with the ARTIO, the AI Group, and the New South Wales Business Chamber, and major transport companies such as FedEx, Global Express, and Toll, that resulted in the New South Wales Industrial Relations Commission determining that the owner drivers of vans with a carrying capacity between 1.5 and three tonnes would be entitled to an enforceable rate of $43.74 an hour. Amazon Flex drivers are also captured in the ruling and for the first time will be entitled to an enforceable rate of 37.80 an hour. It's a world first that Amazon Flex drivers in New South Wales will have enforceable rates of pay along with, alongside rights with, to dispute resolution, union representation and collective bargaining. This win comes off the backs of thousands of couriers who fought for years uh, on the Fight for 40 campaign and is a momentous achievement for couriers, their families and road safety. Vehicle operating costs have skyrocketed in recent years, but pay hasn't changed, leaving some drivers earning below the minimum wage after costs. Today's decision uh, is the first significant pay rise for many drivers that they've had in 15 years.
0: Such a significant um, victory for the TWU and those workers, um, especially the Amazon workers, because we know Amazon is such a dirty...
1: Anti-union organisation. Absolutely.
0: Um, So big congratulations to those workers. And, you know, that was um, some industrial organising that came out of the pandemic. And our next story relating to the New South Wales nurses' strike is also an industrial dispute coming out of um, the, the pandemic and the crisis. Thousands of public hospital nurses across New South Wales walked off the job in protest last week, saying they are stretched too thin to give patients the care they deserve, especially in a pandemic. Staff at about 150 of the state's public hospitals were involved in staggered strikes on Tuesday, with a skeleton staff working to ensure patient safety. Nurses want um, one nurse to every four patients on every shift and a pay increase above the state government's prescribed public sector offer of 2.5%. Protesters, including many who had travelled from outside Sydney, rallied outside New South Wales Parliament House on Tuesday, taking their message to MPs who were returning for the first sitting day of the year. Nurses, midwives and supporters, many of whom said they would have preferred to be at work, gathered in Queen's Square with crowds spilling over into nearby Hyde Park before marching up Macquarie Street to Parliament House just after 10. The strike defied an 11th hour ruling by the state's Industrial Relations Commission, which, which said on Monday, ordered that the union refrain from any industrial action. Health Minister Brad Hazard met union representatives on Monday to try to avert the action and said he was disappointed that Tuesday's strike went ahead. Of course, for nurses, nurse-to-patient ratios are the main point of concern. Mr Perrottet said the patient ratios the union wanted weren't effective and the system hadn't worked well in other states. And of course, Mr Perrottet, who's a nurse himself, would know the first thing about what was effective and what wasn't in relation to nurse nurse to patient ratios. And
1: it also speaks to the politicisation throughout the world of nurses during these pandemics where They're talked about like they're soldiers, that they're making a sacrifice, but when they speak up, they're told to shut
0: up. Absolutely. It's 14 minutes past nine o'clock, some community announcements, and then more news from around the region. Goongaroo Environment Centre is a grassroots community organisation campaigning for East Gippsland's precious forests. For over 15 years, we've been using direct action, citizen science and community engagement to stop the continued logging of precious native forests and threatened species habitat. After this summer's terrible bushfires, there's an even greater urgency to protect what remains, and the Victorian government haven't ruled out plans to log the small fragments of unburnt forests and so-called salvage log in burnt areas. It's now so important that forests and wildlife are protected so they can recover. Head to gecko.org.au to keep updated with the latest news and to get involved. Gecko acknowledges the logging is happening on the stolen lands of the Gunna and Bidwell and the Naro people and that sovereignty was never ceded.
1: Hi, this is Mitchell from Cut Copy and you're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio. Subscribe now. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents on Community Radio 3CR. The time is 9.16 and we're continuing with more news from the Asia Pacific region. Uh, to Lebanon now, where transport workers have taken strike action against the economic crisis. Thousands of transport workers organised by the Land Transport Federation in Lebanon and with the support of the General Labor Union carried out a day of anger across all Lebanese regions on, 18, on the 18th of January. Main roads across all these regions were cut off by the strike, inside uh, with tankers and trucks and large and small taxis blocking major roads between the governance and Beirut. Transport workers were also protesting against the government's failure to implement a prior agreement with the Labor Union, and so workers have been threatening to take more escalating steps if the crisis is not addressed and their demands are not met. The protesters demanded that the state act quickly to find solutions to the crisis. That the citizens can't stand anymore. Lebanon is also facing election in May this year. And, of course, in Lebanon, the situation is very dire, the- Worst that it probably has ever been.
0: That's right. The, the um, currency is in free fall. People can't afford basic food. It is. It's, a, it's an absolute crisis. We worked for very hard towards the end of last year to get um, an interview, and we just haven't been able to reach anybody in that country at this point. But we'll keep doing that. But staying in Lebanon and... Actually, one of Pierre's um, favorite uh, industrial issues, an issue that's very close to his heart, is the kafala system. So, the kafala system is back in the spotlight in Lebanon. Because a migrant worker who says she suffered violent abuse and was forced to work for years without pay has actually instigated um, legal action um, to address the kafala system. So uh, a Beirut court hosted a preliminary hearing uh, a couple of weeks ago and the, the case is going to be heard again in March this year. Meseret Helu-Denike is 37. She returned to her native Ethiopia in 2019, and she's filing a criminal lawsuit against her former employer, May Sarder, who's 49, as well as against the Lebanese recruitment agency that brought her to Lebanon. Ms Sarder appeared in court on uh, last week, but representatives from the agency didn't. Miss Danica spent eight years in the home of Miss Sarder, a dentist and divorced mother of three. During that time, she says she was beaten, forced to work without pay for seven years and prevented from communicating with the outside world, including her family, who feared that she'd died. The case brought by international non profit Legal Action Worldwide is reported to be the first of its kind, alleging slavery and slave trading enabled by Lebanon's kafala system. The kafala, or sponsorship system, regulates the relationship between employers and migrant workers in Lebanon and in other countries across the Middle East. It excludes migrant workers from the country's labour law and prevents workers from seeking legal redress for abuses against them. And as we just said, the situation in Lebanon is dire. There are a number of migrant workers that are trapped, that are stuck in Lebanon during the pandemic, that have been unable to return home and are being subjected to these conditions.
1: Moving now to Japan, where workers are fighting to increase the minimum wage and end inflation. Union workers converged on the headquarters of the Japanese Business Federation or the, the or the Keidanren on the 13th of January to declare the start of a spring struggle 2022 uh, after attending a rally in front of the Health, Labor and Welfare Ministry and marching in demonstration through the Marunouchi district where, a lar- where many of the large corporations have their head offices. The workers from unions affiliated with the National Confederation of Train- Trade Unions or Zenroren and other organisations that are members of the National and Tokyo Spring Struggle Committees, demanded that a part of the 459 trillion yen, or about $4 trillion, uh, that the large corporations have amassed in internal reserves, be used to give a wage increase for all workers, including care workers, and that the minimum wage be raised to to 1,500 yen, or about $10, everywhere in the country. Suzuki Toru, the Vice President of the Japan Metal Manufacturing, Information and Telecommunication Workers Union, or the JMITU, expressed his determination to fight through the spring struggle. He said even though the companies are recovering their business performance – Workers are yet to recover lost wages. We demand a substantial wage increase and shorter working hours. And this is something, again, that we're seeing across the region, where through the pandemic, workers have, have suffered while businesses have still made money, or uh, they've found their wages stagnating around inflation, while businesses are saying, because of the pandemic, we can't give you any greater wage uh, rises. So we'll keep up to date with the spring struggle and what's happening in Japan.
0: That's right. And it's significant as well, because in the 80s, the unions were smashed in in Japan. And so the level of union activity and trying to find the genuine unions, I mean, the the public sector unions like Japan Post and so on remained genuine and the, the garbage collection workers. Um, but the significance of this is that, um, again, as, as you described, James, the pandemic has really brought workers to their absolute limit. Um, An industrial disputation is erupting right across the region, and particularly in places we wouldn't expect it, like Japan. Um, there were further, there was, um, there were more reports from Hong Kong that I wasn't able to get to this morning. But again, a lot of industrial action across the region. We will go to uh, one more story before we take a, a community announcement break. Um, and this story it comes from Malaysia where forced labour in Dyson's production chain has been exposed. A damning news report on British television is accusing well-known household appliances company Dyson of forced labour, false imprisonment and dangerous working conditions at one of their main supplier factories in Malaysia, and that factory goes by the name ATA Industrial. On the 10th of February, British Channel 4 News broadcast a report from a group of migrant workers in Malaysia working in a factory producing mainly for Dyson. The migrant workers detailed that while employed at ATA Industrial, they had their passports taken away, effectively trapping them into work. They were forced to work long hours, sometimes up to 18 hours a day, including overtime. Workers were told that refusing overtime when ordered would prevent them from any overtime in the future, which would make it impossible to live from their wages. Some days, the workers earned less than 10 US dollars a day. Many of the workers lived in unsanitary and overcrowded living conditions, where up to 80 people shared a room, and their movements were restricted by security guards. Recruitment fees, poor living conditions, passport retention, excessive hours, enforced overtime and restrictions on movement are all clear indicators of forced labour as defined by the International Labour Organisation. Ignoring long-running reports of abuse at ATA Industrial contradicts Dyson's public claims of responsible sourcing, and when ending the contract with ATA Industrial in November last year over audit findings, Dyson did so without putting any remedies in place for the workers. Uh, N. Gopal Kishnam, who is the Secretary of Industrial Malaysia Council and General Secretary of National Union of Transport, Equipment and Allied Industry Workers, and Gopal is also a very uh, well-known and um, partner of Australia-Asia Worker Links, he said, The National Action Plan on Forced Labor must be implemented immediately to end all kinds of abuse. He calls on the Malaysian government to thoroughly investigate the complaint and take action in accordance with the laws. 24 minutes past 9 o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR, this is Asia Pacific Currents. Some community announcements and then our final segment of news from around the region.
1: The Common Social Change Library is an online collection of educational resources for those campaigning for social change. It collects, curates and distributes the key lessons and resources of progressive movements around Australia and across the globe. The library includes over 500 resources covering campaign strategy, community organising, activist history, digital campaigning, diversity and inclusion and much, much more. It's free to access the library, so check out the collection at www.commonslibrary.org. Common Social Change Library is a 3CR supporter. 3CR. Community Radio.
0: 855.
1: I am. What are you You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents on Community Radio 3CR who uh, brought to you by the Australia Worker, uh, Australia Pacific Worker Links, uh, which uh, if you're interested in looking up some of our activities, you can check us out on Twitter and Facebook. Um, to, moving back to the news now, the time is 9.26, uh, a strike wave in Turkey for pay rises against the economic crisis. Uh, squeezed between galloping inflation and insufficient wages, more and more workers in Turkey go on strike. A wave of protests that started in home delivery, but which soon spread throughout sectors. Uh, In Turkey, as elsewhere in the world, the pandemic has increased people's dependence on e-commerce and food delivery programs. While Turkey was in lockdown in 2020, those who could work from home began to rely more on platforms from home delivery, such as groceries, meals and goods. Yet the frontline delivery drivers who made it possible for people to do their shopping or order their meals from home remained invisible. As the pandemic enters its third year, these couriers are demanding their rights. Over the past three weeks, delivery drivers at several major Turkish companies have gone on strike, but they are just the most visible face of what has turned into a much deeper wave of labour militancy in Turkey. The latest strike wave was partly inspired by workers from Trendyol, a Turkish e-commerce platform. Like Amazon, the company sells clothing, electronics, home and furniture products and more. Trendyol... Delivery drivers went on strike on the 24th of January after rejecting an 11% pay rise. After a three day strike, they won a raise from 9,500 uh, 9, Turkish liras, or 620 euros per month, to 12,500, or 800, just over 800 euros. Um, the Trendyol strike raised public awareness of the injustices faced by couriers in Turkey. For example, the company was valued at 16.5 billion US dollars in 2021. The leading e-trade group, Alibaba, is also a major shareholder in the company. With its over 30 million customers, Trendyol has done extremely well in the pandemic era of increased online shopping. Meanwhile, the 11% raise that Trendyol management initially offered the workers did not even keep up with inflation, which in Turkey is very bad at the moment. The Turkish Statistical Institution or TÜİK put the official annual inflation rate at 48.69% in January, although the president of the country uh, he, he discouraged newspapers from recording this, or reporting on it. However, independent groups have put the figure at high, a higher rate of 114.87%. A wave of protests started in home delivery, but it soon spread to other sectors. The price of food, transport, electricity, and fuel has also risen astronomically since the new year. Not since the economic crisis of 2001 has Turkey had inflation and consumer prices increase at these levels. The dire economic situation has pushed workers towards greater militancy. To survive, they must ensure their wages keep up with the pace of inflation, and the new minimum wage of 4,250 Turkish liras announced at the start of the new year is barely above starvation level.
0: And we move now to Saudi Arabia, where 28,000 women have applied for 30 train driver jobs in that country. It is the first time train driver jobs have been advertised for women in Saudi Arabia. The successful candidates will drive high-speed trains between the holy cities of Mecca and Medina after a year of training. It's the first time such roles have been advertised for women in the conservative Muslim kingdom. For decades, Saudi Arabia had one of the world's lowest female workforce participation rates. It has also pushed through a number of social reforms, including ending the ban on women driving and easing male guardianship laws to allow women to travel freely. A good news story out of Saudi Arabia.
1: Yes, well, I think that's all we have time for this week. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, with more information from uh, of Labor issues from Asia, the Asia-Pacific region. Uh, I'm James Barry.
0: And I'm Giselle Hannah. And coming up next is Palestine Remembered.